Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. All right. So we are on our third study of who is the Holy Spirit. Has anybody met Him since we've started this series? Okay, so all of you already knew him, right? God willing. So today, we're going to look at the concept answering the question, do you have fruit? Okay, so this is a huge question because, you know, as a Christian, you know, this is, I'm not even really talking about, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit really causing fruit to grow exponentially, but I'm talking about as a Christian, you should bear healthy fruit. Just with a salvation experience, you know, so we have to understand, you know, that the Holy Spirit, you know, he desires to have a close relationship with us. We should understand that, right? The first week, what did we answer? The question that what? He is a person. The second one, do you know him? You know, those are two critical questions. You know, if we understand that he's a person and we know him, then we begin to be connected with who the Holy Spirit is. But he desires to have a close relationship with us. You know, so when we receive salvation, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives within us. You know, to assist us to become all that God has called us to be. You know, the only condition as believers is to release him to do what he was created to do. Do you understand that? That is the only requirement that we have to do. We say, Holy Spirit, do the work that, you, that, that God sent you to do in my life. There's no longer this waiting process to receive the Holy Spirit. We all have the Holy Spirit. You know, you know it was kind of like a, a peanut butter and jelly special. When we received salvation, we also had the ability to, to receive the Holy Spirit. We also have to understand that a salvation experience does not happen apart from the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit being released in your life. You will not come to the knowledge of who God is without the Holy Spirit drawing your heart, changing your heart, causing you to come to this place of repentance. It just doesn't happen. So the Holy Spirit has been involved in your life, whether you liked it or not. We just maybe sometimes don't realize how that process works. So the Holy Spirit, he always functions as, the, as you know, the word says, as a parakletos. So when we, we talked about that, you know, this means that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, our standby, our advocate, our intercessor, our teacher, our friend, our guide, our counselor, our strengthener, lender, helper, and partner. That's who the Holy Spirit is in our life. So he always releases power within those that he inhabits. Now, that's a different word. I haven't used that word yet, that he inhabits us. He lives within us. He empowers us. Our body is his dwelling place. It is the temple of God that he has now established. In the Old Testament, the presence of God and, and you know, the manifest presence of God was in buildings, it was, but it was only in you know, the, the, the tabernacle. Ark of the Covenant, the place where the Holy Spirit, where the presence of God dwells. Well, now that all changed, where now the Holy Spirit, the presence of God lives within each of us. So if it lives in me, it should be coming out of me. You hear that? If he lives in me, it should be pouring out every part of me. I, I can't help but be Christ-like. Right? So the Holy Spirit, you know, he comes, he lives in us, he functions as our own personal guide, leading us into what? All truth. Well, I don't know about this, Noe. It's okay. Well, the Holy Spirit does. 
And if he promises to lead us into all truth, and there is nothing lacking that we don't know or have not yet been known of that the Holy Spirit cannot show us. It's okay to not know. It's okay to not be self-confident. Sometimes our arrogance and our pride can be one of our biggest failures. When we get so self-confident that God says, okay, big boy, I'll show you. Do that one on your own, right? And then, then you're like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. You know, we have two options. We can humble ourselves or we can be humbled. Okay, it's be- the first one is always better. Don't force God to humble you in our arrogance and pride, but we need to stay at that place of, uh, of, giving, of glorifying God. If there's anything good in us, that it's because of what the work, the work that the Lord has done in our life. So today we're gonna look at the, at the fruit of the Spirit. You guys have all heard that statement, the fruit of the Spirit. So before we look in the, the Scripture in reference to it, let's look at the word that the, that the Bible uses, the word fruit. He uses the word fruit, you know, so I think that there is some symbolism, there's some intentionalness there. So when we look at the fruit, you know, fruit is something that has to be cultivated. Have you ever guys just shown up and you have fruit? No, it's a process, right? You never just have fruit just showing up. So I want this morning for us to be aware because next week we're going to begin to look at the gifts of the Spirit, not the fruit of the Spirit. But today we're going to focus on the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a fruit that has to be cultivated, and sometimes it takes time to see the return. You guys ever planted a garden or planted a seed or hoped to plant a garden or whatever? You know, maybe it worked out, maybe it didn't. Some people have green thumbs, some don't, you know, like type process. But you planted something, and when you first plant that seed and you put it in the ground and you begin to water it and you plant it in the sunlight requirements, a little bit of shade, direct sunlight, whatever, all those rules, right? All of those things matter to healthy growth. But when that seed's in the ground, do you come back the next day and you have oranges? Uh, if you do, man, you got the world's greatest secret, <laughs> right? If we could produce fruit that quickly. But it's always a process. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it takes days. It depends on the type of seed that you plant. But sometimes you don't even think anything's happening. You know, I remember as a child, you know, being little, when my, my dad, he, he, uh, we planted carrots, Man, that was the funnest thing ever, man, you know. Pull up. Eat the carrot right out of the ground, you know. But I remember when we first planted those, he's like, hey, we're planting, you know, these carrots, and you'll be able to eat them. And it's just like, I was like, why are we not doing this all the time? You know, we, but we get in that society. We let somebody else do all the produce for us, right? But this concept of being able to plant something and it growing and it nurturing, seeds are built to grow, Fruit is, is designed to be cultivated. It's not something that there is an immediate increase. Now, there are some plants that grow really, really fast. There's some that grow really, really slow. But we have to understand, you know, it's always a process. You know, so the big difference between a gift and a fruit is a gift, you can use it right now. If I give you the keys to a brand new truck, you think you can drive it right away? If it has gas, if, it has, if everything's ready to go, do you think you can drive that vehicle right now? Immediately, right? A gift can be used at that moment. Fruit sometimes has to be cultivated. It takes time for us to, to be able to reap the benefits of the fruit sometimes. Okay, so you have, you have to understand, you know, that every believer that, is surren- that has surrendered their life to God should bear fruit. You can't say that the seed of God that has been planted in your life fails. Because God's work is always effective. 
Every single time. God does not plant dud seeds. I guess, I guess there are bad seeds in the world, right? You can plant a seed and it won't grow. Yes? No? Maybe? God's seed never fails. It always produces a harvest. It always works correctly. It never fails. Okay? So we have to understand, if we look at Luke 6, 43 through 45... Luke 6, 43-45, it says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. It says, People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Verse 45, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what are we really saying? This passage talks about you will be known by your fruit. You know, and I know there's always that challenging question which they say, you can't judge somebody's salvation. I'm not judging somebody's salvation, but I can see if there's fruit or not. Like, hey, I didn't think of that. If I'm seeing good fruit, I can assume that the seed is good. If I have bad fruit, I can assume that the seed is bad. Or the seed has not been generated to life yet because it is not producing good fruit. A man or a woman of God will be known by their fruit. And this is not fruit that's just like, oh, you know, man, didn't produce this year. I believe that it is that concept of, of bearing fruit and fruit that remains as the Bible talks about. But how many of you guys know that, that when, you, when you take fruit, for instance, and, and the pressures of life Come, you, you, you figure out what you're made of. So if I were to take this little tangerine, cutie, whatever they call it, right? And I squeeze this, what would happen? What would come out? Whatever's inside, right? So we have to understand that when the pressures of life happen, everybody, anybody ever been pressured? And the good, the bad, and maybe the ugly came out? You ever had a word slip out you didn't mean to slip out? Or you got, you got that Hulk rage, anger, you got frustrated, you got mad, said things you wish you wouldn't have said, the pressure of life, right? You know, out of the abundance of the heart about what is inside comes out anytime pressure is applied. I can guarantee you, I'm not going to do it, but if I were to squeeze this as tight as I could, something will come out. It's not going to be like, oh, there was nothing in there. It's not going to happen. Whatever is inside comes out. And what, what promise do we know that God always looks at the what? The heart. You know, I might be able to say, have you ever been around those people who know how to say the right thing at the right time? But they're just saying words so that they look good to men. But ultimately, their heart is far from the Lord. And they're, they're just, you, have you ever seen fruit in a basket, the fake fruit that almost looks real? You go over there and pick it up, you're like, man, it's a fake orange. Or that's a, you know, it's, man, it has the glisten, it has all the, it, look, it looks real. That's what it is. When we, do not, when we do not have an authentic relationship with the Lord, the only thing that we may even be able to cultivate is what man will see is artificial fake fruit. If they're trying to trick you, but ultimately that fruit is going to be bad fruit. You're not going to see the characteristics of God being released in their life. You're going to see, you're going to see bad things. You know, so I think when we look at our lives, and, and this is some self-evaluation, we have to say, man, am I seeing good fruit? 
am I seeing bad fruit? And if I'm seeing bad fruit and I'm a Christian, that's when we get into the topic of Holy Spirit, you have to help me. Because if the, 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 the focus is fruit of the Spirit, not fruit of Noe, my own ability to function in these gifts, to function, well, to function in these fruits, to allow these things to come out of me. So when a fruit is squeezed, you will see what's inside. You know, we talk about the heart, you know, like, oh, you know, well, my, my heart's just telling me to marry this guy. My heart's just telling me this is what's best for me. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So we don't want to necessarily be just led by our heart. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. We have to understand that, you know, as, as we are spirit beings, so let me explain that a little bit more to you. So, uh, you know, our spirit is completely transformed by the power of God. We have to realize that. When we come to a place of salvation, our spirit is completely transformed, just like Christ. It is, you know, our spirit takes on the same nature of Christ. But there's still another part of the picture that I really need to explain to you because some of us think like, man, I'm saved and, and, and I feel like I, I, I love the things of God, but why do I still struggle in this life? Why are there still things in my life that are not right? We have to understand that man is a spirit, that he has a soul and he lives in a body. Oh, so we just made it real confusing. So there's three of me, kind of. Let me explain. So the spirit of man, that is the regenerated part. When we receive salvation, the old man dies and the new spirit is, is raised to resurrection life to act, breathe, be, and do exactly what Christ would do. The spirit of man becomes regenerated. You know, in the Bible, there was a story that says, you know, you know, if you're to have eternal life, you need to die and be reborn again. And the guy scratches his head because he's thinking just in the natural. He says, how is it that I can go once again in my mother's womb? And be born again. But we have to understand that every time Jesus talks about a parable or he talks about an example, there is always spiritual implications to what he is saying. So we have to understand that the spirit man is regenerated. It becomes just like Christ. And then we talk about our soul. There is a passage that talks about the saving of our soul. So the soulish part of our body is our mind, will, and emotions. How many of y'all have the most issues with the mind, will, and the emotions? Your mind going south, your emotions going crazy, and my will, I don't want to do anything. Lazy, or I just don't want to do, you know, think about it, man. You know, there's days that you just get up, it's like, how many adults say, you could have mornings, I don't feel like it. And if you could get away with it, you would do nothing that day, but life must go on. Welcome to adulting, Right. But we think about that, that the mind will emote and the emotions, you know, that soulish part of ourself is in need of saving, you know, and then the body is just this fleshly housing that all of that stuff is kind of jumbled in and it's slowly dying away. You know, I had my children ask me the other day, they said, Daddy, you know, how, how long is the body supposed to live? It's like, oh, man, uh, you know, you kind of fumble around because it's, you know, trying to explain. It says, you know, God has built a body to last for a short period of time, sometimes 80, 90, 100 years, God willing. You know, but it's just a temporary body, and then we die and go to heaven. You know, we were trying to explain, you know, what is the, what is the point, what is the process of the body? You know, it's like a vehicle that you maintenance well, it's guaranteed to last longer. You never maintain it, you never put air in the tires. Who cares about oil? 
Good luck to you. It will not function as designed. There are maintenance requirements on a vehicle. Everybody knows that, right? All the women said, amen, you know that? If you're like, I didn't know, ask your husband, or your husband probably does it for you. My wife gets the benefit of a lot of those things. It'd be very difficult for her if I, if I was to say, hey, take care of the vehicles. What do I do? You know, but if we don't maintain the vehicle that God has given us, which is our body well, it will fail us or we will have issues. And over time, it's just a matter of time. Now we pray for that, you know, that healthy longevity. And, you know, I want to be one of those guys that goes like this. Yes, that's it. And I'm gone. I don't want the long drawn out 30 years of just like, oh, Lord, just take me already. I want to live a good, healthy life. I want it to, to be full of, of life and I want to live my life well. But we have to understand that the reality of the body we live in, it is a broken body. It is not a glorified body. It is not a supernatural body that will last forever, right? It, we, it doesn't matter how well we maintain it. It is built to have a time frame. When we, in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it states that that passage, just if you guys want to look that up, it says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Man, there really is three. How about that? It was scriptural. It wasn't just I made it up, okay? So it says, but each of those keep blameless. So what does that mean? That means hold your flesh in check also. That doesn't mean, well, my spirit loves God, you know, my mind, will, and emotions are good, and I can do whatever I want in the flesh. No, we want to make sure that our flesh, you know, that our bodies glorify God also. You know, we have to understand, you know, that, uh, you know, Matthew 26, 44, Jesus says, it says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And this is what he says. He says, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. This is just a reality. Uh, we have to understand this. It's not like our, you know, our body, I mean, I think our body does have good days, but really our, you know, our flesh is weak. It's not something that, it, you know, it's just, you know, Jesus was very clear. So have you guys ever seen people go to the gym, they take care of their body, they are concerned about taking care of their body? Most of us have, right? How much more vitally important is it that we take care of our spirit? Because it doesn't matter. The man can gain the whole world and be the best health of his life, but if his, if his soul is lost and his spirit is not regenerated, meaning that he has no relationship with the Lord, what value does he have? doesn't matter, right? So that same focus, that discipline, that, 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 that focus on taking care of the spirit needs to be just as important as taking care of the body. So let's look at Galatians, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. I want to make sure that I read all of this because, man, it is that, that whole chapter is good. If you've never read Galatians 5 all the way through, that first little passage, it just talks about what is it like to live in Christ? You know, freedom in the spirit. This is what it should look like. You should no longer enslave yourself, but you've been set free. You know, it talks about, you know, uh, you know, don't be burdened again by the sinful nature once again. We got to understand, guys, that when we received salvation, there was a lot of things that we crucified on that cross that God never intended for us to pick back up. Many things. But we were so accustomed to carrying those things throughout the course of our life that well, even though we had a relationship with the Lord, that we just picked that backpack back up because we were so accustomed to bringing it with us. 
It was more of a habit of carrying that burden rather than an expectation of what the cross wants. Did you guys hear that? So, so he, he just, it talks about that, you know, it talks about all of those things, serving one another, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself, all of these great things. So read that. So let's look at starting in verse 16, because this really focuses on, on the focus of the fruit. So starting in verse 16 of Galatians 5, it says, so I say, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do uh, what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19, it says, the acts of sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, uh, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and like. And it says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I'm going to stop there just for a moment because any of you guys that justify any of those and think that it's okay, what did that last statement say? I warn you, as they did before, that those who live like this, that meet this criteria, he was very specific. And maybe if you're trying to justify sin and it is, a, it is kind of severed off of one of those, it's like, well, it's kind of like that, but not really, and you try to justify it. I think the same alike. It says, I warn you that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is a big deal. When we say will not inherit the kingdom of God, that means you will not go to heaven. You will be condemned to hell. That's really what it's saying, you know, when it says you will not receive the kingdom of God. So if this is the transition, if this is the process, if he says that if you do these things, you will not, God has to provide a way out. Because do you think that it's in God's heart to condemn people to hell to something they can't change? Or do you think that he provides a way so that even the lost may be found? that all may call on the name of the Lord and be saved, that you may come to a place of saving grace that removes you out of that current situation and places you into something different. I don't need to read those again, right? If one of those applied to you, I'm sure it stood out. And I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to encourage you to God's truth. If there's one of those things in the, on that list that, that are challenging you, the Spirit of God can sever that and break that off of your life for the rest of your life. What was, it, what was it I saw the other day? It said, you know, you can't get rid of a sin that you continually play with. It's a hard word. It's like, Lord, save me from this. But if I keep playing with it, if I keep, in, in, you know, ensnaring myself with it, come on, like, kind of stupid when I, if I'm standing back looking at it in hindsight but we got to get rid of those things we got to remove those things far from us so let's get to the exciting part all right and I don't want to be all doom and gloom this morning but I do want to challenge you to what the word of God says that God's standard is really high but the price of his son was greater it didn't hold us at that place of where we were with that hope verse 22 It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
Verse 24, and this is, this is what it talks, that's where, this is where it begins to unfold. It says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So what that's saying is that that sinful nature, which is the criteria of everything that was in that paragraph before, it has been crucified, it has died, it should, should no longer be alive within us. It has died and we have come to life being Christ-like. And the fruits of the Spirit which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, they should be oozing out from us. This should be the new normal. Okay? And then it says, since we, have, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay? So we have to understand, you know, that, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, they are, it's something that should be a byproduct of being a Christian. But they are, give, they, they, are, they are fruit that is given and cultivated by the Holy Spirit. So if we flip-flop those, you know, so, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm going to read these, but these are with completely opposite words, okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is not. And you guys just evaluate yourself maybe this morning. Hate. Sadness. Am I conflicted? Am I impatient? Am I mean? Sorry, this is not a really good one, but this is the best I could do. Badness. Does bad, do, is, does, does it, am I just a bad person? Disloyal. Harsh. And undisciplined. That's the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit. Sounds like a pretty nasty person, right? You look at this, man, disloyal, bad just oozes out of me. Impatience, hey, I still got some of those fruit lingering around, lingering around. impatience. You know, when you have kiddos, God has to give you supernatural grace to have patience. Let's go. Get to the car, three kids don't have their shoes on. What are you doing? I got a chance to lose it, right? Luckily, if they didn't clean out the car, which is another pet peeve, right? There's stuff everywhere. Dad, I don't need shoes. I got four pairs in the car. Great. Why are we not cleaning the car either? Man, patience is just like right there. And I'm just like, does anybody else clean this car? Well, no, Dad, you do it. Come on. You know, you just, you, all you fathers maybe can relate. You know, it's just one of those things. It's like every time you go to the car, kids, you carry something out, but you never carry anything back in. You know, but we think of these, of these fruit, you know, one of the biggest things that should be evident in our life when we receive salvation is love. That should be one of the, one of the main things that we see right out of the gate. You know, uh, you know, Paul talks about love, right? He says, without it, you can do nothing. You can accomplish nothing without love. That I really believe that that is the key that begins to unlock all of the other fruits of the Spirit. Because if I love my children, I'd just laugh. Say, we ain't going nowhere. Dad, why are you sitting there on your phone? Because you ain't got shoes. Go get them. Kick the seat back. Just relax. Roll the windows down this, right now with this cold front right and just let the cool breeze hit me. Not worry about it. Don't worry about being in a hurry. Because I love my children. If I hated them, get out of the car. Where are you going? I'm leaving you here. Go get your shoes. I'll just leave them. I'll call CPS on you knowing. <laughs> you can't do that. But think, out of a heart of hate, it's ugly. 
It really, it, it, it is. I mean, I think hate is, you know, the root of everything, you know. Uh, you know, I think when we don't love people as Christ asks us to love people, that is an issue. Do you know that there's people going to be in your life that you are incapable of loving? But the Holy Spirit gives you the grace of love to love those who are unlovable so that his grace might abound in our life. You know? And I think we all make those judgments. Hey, I'll hang out with this person. Man, I love this person. I don't want to hang out with this homeboy over here. Drives me nuts. Has it, everybody's had at least one person in your life that's been hard to love, right? If not, God is going to send them so that you'll grow. Because it will happen. The, the, the inability to love as Christ loves, right? But I believe that love is the key that begins to unlock everything. Okay? So we have to understand, you know, that as we see the fruit of the Spirit coming out, you know, uh, one thing that I really want to look at at this passage, and, you know, it talks about that there is, uh, that there is conflict, right, when we talk about, you know, the things of the Spirit and the things, you know, of, of the sinful nature. So, so I think initially, you know, before we begin to grow, there, there's kind of some different dynamics, okay? Robert and Sarah, can you come help me real quick? With the illustration, real quick. Can you help me real quick, Robert? Yeah. All right, come here real quick. Don't knock Sarah over because she's a little smaller than you, Robert. But come over here and grab onto this side. Don't fall off the stage. Go over there on that side. Just like tug of war, okay? Don't rough her up, Robert. He's laughing. He's like, I got this all the way. Come on, come on this. Can you, hey, you can scoot, scoot down this way, Robert, on this side of that mic just so we don't trip all over it. Okay, so, and grab right here. So when we first come into a relationship with the Lord, you know, we feel like it's a tug of war, right? So the first principle I want to make sure that we understand that when we first come to the knowledge of Christ, maybe we have, fled our, uh, we have, we have fed our flesh and our sinful natures more so than our spirit man. So what you have right now, don't take it personal, Robert, right? But, you know, these are, this is the sinful nature man. And this, this is the wee little, she's going to get feisty and pull Robert right over. All right, so pull a little bit of tension on it. So what happens is, you know, we have, go ahead and pull that way. So what happens initially, there's this, there's this battle raging between our spirit and between our flesh. And until our spirit man begins to grow, pull that way, all of a sudden, and this one just, man, I can't, I can't do it. I can't win. But let's say that we were to reverse that process and so we, ha we, we, begin, we can begin to starve Robert. We don't give him any food. We don't give him anything. He's going to be super cranky, right? No food. It's like, man, yeah, I'm going to starve him. So, so we begin to, oh, we come over here and we begin to, to, uh, to begin to feed the spirit man. Slide this way for me. Come a little bit further, a little bit further. Okay, so what happens is Sarah begins to be, be fed, to be fed, but there's also something else that happens. It's not only Sarah within her own strength, but what did we talk about? A fruit of the what? Spirit. So it says that the, that the Holy Spirit comes alongside as a helper, as a comforter. So whatever you have need of begins to be available, made available to you. So we begin to starve the flesh. Good luck to you. You're going to die. That's what we're saying. Flesh, you will die. Spirit, you will live. But then the Holy Spirit comes over here, and Robert thought he was a big bad boy. Well, the Holy Spirit gets on this side. Go ahead and start pulling, Sarah. You, you can try to hold, hold on to it for a minute, Robert. You're going to lose between the two of us. It don't matter. 
I mean, you can try. Me, me and Sarah got you because what happens, thank you guys, is, is, the, is the Holy Spirit begins to come alongside and begins to, to help in your weakness. It changes everything. But we have, to, we have to begin to starve the flesh and begin to feed the Spirit. You can't keep feeding the flesh and say, oh, I don't know why the Spirit man keeps losing. But here's what it says in that passage. It says that if you... If you follow the things of the spirit, you will not gratify the things of the flesh. So then I started thinking about this tug of war option. So we have the things of the flesh over here and we have the things of the spirit. So it is no longer saying, it says, if you, if you focus on the things of the spirit, you will not gratify the things of the flesh. So what that takes out, there is no longer a struggle between one and the other. It's now a choice up to me. That I make a choice, I say, okay, I can choose to... And I, if you've never lived in this struggle, you're lying because I deal with it every single day of my life almost. I'm stuck in the middle where as a Christian, God has renewed the spirit within me. He's, he's, he's beginning to align my mind, will, and emotions. I'm crucifying the flesh where now I am given a choice to either follow the things of the spirit or pursue the things of the flesh. So here's what happens. It's right here in the middle. The choice is always mine. So let's say today, Pastor Noe has a bad day. You think Pastor Noe has bad days? Absolutely. If you don't think so, come talk to me. So I choose the things of the flesh maybe today. And what happens, I just kind of get right here to the danger zone. I start moving it just closer to me. But I chose the flesh. I chose the flesh. So if we reverse that scripture, if I pursue the things of the flesh, I will not pursue the things of the spirit. Oh, but if I'd make a right choice and I come over here and I begin to pursue the things of the spirit, I will not satisfy the things of the flesh. It's a choice thing now because God is creating strength in me. He's changing me. So I just begin to walk in the spirit. I walk in the spirit. I walk in the spirit. And it is just a choice day by day by day by day by day. And I realized that the whole time the victory was in my hands. That the, that the enemy does not have near the authority we give him, but I still live in the flesh where I can make choices to agree with the flesh. It doesn't mean that I don't have the victory. It just, it just means that the enemy has deceived me enough to think I've always lost. And I don't have the choice to choose. The power of the cross changed everything. It changed everything. And we think of the fruit of, uh, uh, of the Spirit that, that the Holy Spirit releases. So we have to understand that the fruit of the Spirit, it is, a, it is a fruit that is produced by the Spirit. So as we receive salvation, guys, we begin to see this fruit in our life. Some of you guys have like some of this fruit that you don't see a whole lot of. Patience, like that's what I said for me, that's a big one. Sometimes self-control, no, you don't need three desserts. Whatever it may be, right? And I'm pointing at myself. I'm not, and you're like, no, me too, guy. Let's not talk about that, though. Like, whatever these issues are, the lack of the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit can help with that. Just like I went and grabbed that rope and I just helped pull, that's what the Holy Spirit does. I believe that the Holy Spirit is the miracle grow for fruit in your life. He begins to cultivate that fruit in ways that you could not imagine. Almost supernatural-like. But we have to be aware of the areas that we are not bearing fruit. Because we don't want to say, oh, you know, I got love. I got kindness, goodness. I don't need the rest. You think that's what God wants? No. 
But we have to begin to look at the fruit of the Spirit and evaluate, Lord, where do I have fruit? Where do I not? Man, I'm not seeing a lot of self-control, Lord. And we just release the Holy Spirit to come in our life and begin to cultivate that fruit in there. But don't, you know, don't assume it's going to happen right away. But be expecting growth. Do you hear that? Just when we ask for it, we say, hey, you know, it's like planting that seed. It's watering that seed. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these plants uh, when you walk into the left and right of the doorway. I'm responsible for my guess. <laughs> There's bad weeks where I forget and they look like they need a whole lot of Jesus. <laughs> they are dead. They are wilted. And it is amazing. Every time I water them, they come back to life. I mean, if I didn't know any better, which I, I've seen them come back to life more than once, so I know that it's going to be okay, but I would look like and be like, I'm going to throw that away. I got two potted plants. They're not really plants. They're like little shrubbages now, but when you walk in this office door, they were completely sunburnt and wore out, and they were a real eyesore to me. I'm real picky about stuff like that. I'm sorry, guys. You know, it's just, I look at them, I'm like... It just looks horrible. So I grabbed all of the brown. I grabbed it and I threw it in the grass so it'd be chopped up by the mower and didn't worry about it. I don't know if you guys have seen those, but there was still life in there. I got two plants that came back. One looked good, one looked bad. <laughs> one got enough water, one didn't. But there's always life even in a barren place that we don't think has the potential to, to come back. Fruit will always grow. The seeds, the seeds that God plants always bear fruit. We just got to honor God at his word and release the Holy Spirit to help us as he gives us those fruit. Second Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, I think weakness is one of those things that we, we tend to never want. You know, I know, you know, for jobs and different things like that, they're like, hey, what are your top three strengths? Oh, you'll hammer those out. What are your top three weaknesses? I don't even want to think about that. Why are you even asking me that? You know, and it's always hard. It's like, and I always feel like it's cheese ball answers. Like, I've never given a good, like, what are my, because I don't know. You know, I just think it's one of those challenges. Like, what are your three worst weaknesses? How many of you just don't want to think about those? We don't. And so it's really hard. But I think if we look at the fruit, if we look at all of these, if we look at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, of those fruit, those specific fruit, now you might say there's other traits, there's other things, there's other fruit that God cultivates in your life. Of that list... What are your two worst? And allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work those in your life a little bit more, okay? You know, I want to remind each of you guys that, you know, that fruit is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit working in our life. You know, and that perhaps if we ask him to help us, that that fruit will begin to grow. You know, I know if, if, you, if you pray, these, these, these tend to be your normal prayer requests. I know they are mine. I pray for my areas of weakness. Lord, help me to love people like you love people. If I'm frustrated about something, God, give me grace where all my frustration will not affect every area of my life. Lord, show me how to be patient with my children. 
You know, all of these things, you know, it should be a normal part of our prayer life. It should be a normal focus that we evaluate this fruit, but that we should, be, we should see this fruit being cultivated in our life. So today, I just encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to help you in areas of weakness. You know, we have to, I also want to encourage you that, you know, we fix our eyes on Jesus more so than the issue. I don't want us, you know, to just be so sin conscious that we miss the concept of being God conscious. If we fix our eyes on God, a lot of those other issues will fix themselves. If we keep giving sin or those, you know, those areas of weakness, you know, that bad fruit in our life, our attention is going to be the focal of everything we look at. But if we focus our eyes on Christ, sometimes those things just change. We quit giving them the attention. You guys ever had that fight? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, all I'm thinking about is doing that now. Well, don't do that. Okay, Lord, what the heck? Quit thinking about it. You're not helping the situation. Now you're fighting just your willpower and you're not allowing the spirit of God and your eyes are fixed on the sin rather than the, the, than the, the deliverer of our sin. We need to fix our eyes on Christ. We need to be focused on him. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and change those things. We have to be reminded that there is always life in the seed. Everything that God puts in us grows. Okay? So the, Holy, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit's power functioning in your life. And the Holy Spirit's work that leads us to that place of salvation. It's okay to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to produce good fruit. Do you know that? It's perfectly okay. Just don't be deceived and don't be naive and say, oh, yeah, I got it going on. I got all this good fruit. Squeeze the fruit and it's oozing goodness till you get a bad one, right? You're like, love, I got that one, oozing goodness. Self-control, blah, and it's just rotten from the inside out. Bad fruit that God needs to change in my life. But the Holy Spirit can do it because he always cultivates good fruit. All right, before we get out of here, I'm gonna give you five things you can do to grow fruit. These are practical things. So if you're taking notes or you wanna write these down, I wanna encourage you. It's five points, five things you can do to grow fruit. The first thing is plant yourself. So all of these are gonna be examples of, of plant life, of cultivating fruit. You have to plant yourself. What are you saying, Pastor Noe? I'm saying you have to plug into the local church. You have to say where God has you at that moment. I've never seen a tree grow into a magnitude of a tree if it's transplanted every few days, every few weeks. Or if a tree was allowed to get offended, every time the tree gets offended. Because we're making this personal, right? You need to plug into a local church. You need to stay where God has you. That is one pivotal question I ask all of our new members in our new membership class. Is this where God has you? Because if this is where God has you, the next thing I'm gonna ask you is say, hey, get planted. Dig down. Well, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Does God have you here for now? Well, yeah. Plant yourself. We tend to, when we don't see the beginning from the end, we don't know how long the season is, we don't do anything. You know, we stay, we stay a potted plant. I've never seen an orange tree go into a big orange tree staying in a plant, you know, in, a, in a little planter. It will never grow to its optimum potential. So what you can do to bear fruit in your life, plant yourself. Secondly, feed yourself. So uh, nurture consists of growth by feeding on the word, engaging in worship, and cultivating fellowship. Notice I put that word cultivating on fellowship because that's the hard part sometimes. 
I'm so busy, Noe. I got so much going on. Man, if there was eight days in a week, I'd be able to do it, but I can't do it. I've only been given seven days in a week. If you don't have enough time to cultivate fellowship, you might want to consider cutting out some of the busyness. And we got to also realize that a lot of the busyness, we did that to ourselves. I know with my kids doing swim, what else are they doing? Cassie's playing soccer. Samuel just finished basketball. Like all of these things, nobody forced me to go sign them up for that. Well, I had, no, you went and signed and you wrote the check, buddy, and you paid for it. It's my own fault. So I think, I'm not saying don't do those things. I think just do those things in moderation where we're not doing so many things that we can't cultivate fellowship. Everybody eats dinner, right? Well, no. Well, how about breakfast? Or what about lunch? Set up a breakfast date. Set up a dinner date. We all eat. Let's eat together. Let's cultivate fellowship. So feed yourself. The next thing, submit yourself. So first and foremost, submit yourself to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, be led by the spiritual leadership of the church. You know, God expects you to some degree to, to, uh, to submit to your pastors, your elders, your church leadership. Do you guys realize that? Do you know the reason for that? Because he has held us personally accountable for you. So if I'm responsible for you, I would, you know, my hope is that you receive the counsel that I give you. I'm not saying you are forced, but my hope is that you would receive when we encourage you to do things like that one before when we say, hey, man, get in the word, be a part of worship, cultivate fellowship. All of those things are important. We encourage you more so than we force you. We lead you rather than, than cause you. But that's why, because we are, we are really, we cover you in prayer. We, we cover you as leadership of this church. And secondly, when you call this church your own, you are really submitting to the leadership of the church. I know this is going to sound really harsh. Hear my heart. If you don't like the leadership of this church, don't make this church your home. You're like, are you telling me to leave? I'm not telling you to leave. But I'm saying if you cannot support the leadership of this church, if you can't trust Becky and I and the elders, then man, you might not should be at this church. Because you have, to you have to trust the offices of the positions within the church. Now, if you trust us, and this is where you're supposed to be, praise God. But it's important to realize that. Because God does ask us to submit ourselves. So the first one, plant yourself, feed yourself, submit yourself. N number four, endure during challenging times. Okay? So during the drought, remind yourself that you will not die and allows God's graces to sustain you. In our life, there's not, it's not, we don't always live on the mountaintop. In life, you're going to have hills and you're going to have valleys. But just remind yourself to, to have a, a, you know, a resilient endurance. You know, I know all these, you know, all these plants in South Texas, they just wait for the scorching summer to end because they know that they will, they will thrive in the spring. I think about this grass, 100 degrees, I was like, at least I can come inside with some AC and get out of the sun. And, but you see right now, you know, which the grass is green. It has life in it. It has endured the hardship. So in our life, we can take that same example and make sure that we apply it, that we, do, that we remind ourselves that, you know, we endure through that hardship. And number five, last, share your fruit. 
So fruit that is cultivated is grown to be a blessing to, to others and to glorify God. You know, I've never seen a fruit tree that has benefited from itself. You ever seen that? Never, right? A fruit tree always blesses others. So when we produce fruit, that it would be to bless others rather than just blessing ourselves. No tree wants to bear fruit for their own gratification, but we want to glorify God in all we do. And we can practically do this by sharing your fruit with others. Love others. Right? All of these things that we can do. We can show kindness. We can show patience. We can show gentleness. Self-control. All of these things. As we begin to see this fruit grow in our life, be reminded that we glorify God with it. If somebody asks, man, how the heck are you so patient? Man, God did a work in me. I really shouldn't be. Man, how do you love people like that? I don't, love, I don't, I don't like people that much because God loves them. Man, how do, how do you practice that self-control when, when you're disrespected by your boss and all those things? Man, God, it's a God grace gift in my life. And it took a long time to grow, but I got there. Right? That we use all these things to glorify God. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.